2: And what's up? Welcome in everybody. Wes Mitchell here. GC live Thursday episode of the show joined now by Gamecock Central's own Mike Yuva filling in. Mike, it's been a busy day for you, man. Uh, several shows today, mm-hmm. but uh- you joining us here on GC Live. We're diving into South Carolina versus Auburn. Um, officially on GC Live, we turn the page from Missouri. It's all Auburn for the final two days of the week. As the Gamecocks get ready for what is um, a pretty intriguing, pretty interesting matchup, the, the line on this game has steadily sort of dropped down to right around a touchdown. Backup quarterback for Auburn, starting kicker is out. I uh, also sort of maybe wonder just how motivated Auburn might be going into this game, man. So, welcome in. Welcome in to all of our fans, our listeners, our watchers. Appreciate you joining us. This is GC Live. We are, of course, presented by our buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, ClintHammond.com, 803 771 6933. Mike, what's up, man?
0: I appreciate you having me on, um, you know, I guess it's my job now, right? So, um, (laughs) no, I appreciate it, man. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, it's obviously this is, I I tell people this is probably the second craziest time of the year outside of when football actually starts in terms of that crossover between football season and then you got basketball. And unlike many stakes, let's just call a spade a spade, women's basketball actually matters here. So um, you have a lot going on because you got two teams you got to cover. It's kind of like covering two colleges, in a sense, because you have the women's and men's. You know, it's nonstop here. But of course, this weekend's game against Auburn, that's a that's a big one. And I know we're going to get into it a little bit, but unlike years past, there is no reason why they should be overlooking Auburn um, and just looking ahead to Clemson. I understand you're in state rival, but there is so much just this is bad taste in a lot of players mouth. Mouths, after a uh, in terms of what happened with Mike Bobo leaving, and they're they are just laser focused from everything I've been told. We had Jacob August on earlier in the week on uh, Mixing a Water Monday, and that was one of the things that he, he reiterated to us, and just from the conversations he had with a lot of the players inside that locker room.
2: Yeah, so it should be an interesting matchup, man. Um, we're gonna be joined actually in about five minutes by Brian Matthews, he does a great job covering Auburn at auburnsports.com, that's the Auburn Rivals site. Always like to hear the insight from the people that are on the ground covering, uh, you know, much like us here at South Carolina, they're covering the day-to-day operations of those mm-hmm. programs. So Brian will be on. He's been covering Auburn for, I don't know, man, as long as I can remember. So we'll, we'll certainly get some good insight from him. And we'll spend most of the show talking about the football game, but I, I know you were at Colonial Life Arena last night, uh, the, the big win over Clemson for Don Staley's program. Um, re- really, a a great day just for that program all the way around, man. You had what the first, the first sort of crowd-filled um, game at that at the arena in some time. Uh, it was a great crowd. You had, of course, the uh, the debut of the new uh, the new banner from the Final Four. You had the the local star there at Cardinal Newman and Ashton Watkins committing mm-hmm. to Don Staley. And then uh, South Carolina women's basketball, after a little bit of, I don't know, a sloppy, just sort of a disjointed start, uh, just absolutely put it on Clemson in the second half. 11th straight win for them. By far, uh, you know, the best program in this state. That's not even a question anymore as far as women's basketball goes. What was the atmosphere like last night at the arena? And did you get a sense that the fans had been sort of waiting on this moment to to get back in there and and support this team uh, for the first time in a while? Well,
0: shoot, after the game, Don Staley mentioned it, that when she was out there before the players were introduced, she was nervous. She was kind of looking around saying, where are people? And one of the reasons that was the case is because it was just an absolute circus in terms of trying to get a parking spot. Now, USC has done a phenomenal job uh, of trying to create extra parking spots. I know one of the things they did is they took, away the intramural fields um, which you know stinks for the kids but at the same time too it allowed extra parking spots but it was just I mean there's construction going on a couple streets away you're trying to get everyone in there and I believe it was 13,363 or you know 13,300 and some change so there's a lot of people there that's going to create a lot of issues and I I don't know I don't want to say that USC or you know, the city of Columbia, I mean, I guess it'd be USC, right? They're the ones that have to try to contact the pol- um, the local police in terms of trying to get people to come out there and do the traffic. But I don't think they were anticipating that, which is a little surprising because, like you mentioned, they haven't been able to do this in a long time. Uh, on top of that, you had Clemson in here. You had a banner night. Players were getting their rings. So you anticipated a lot of people there. Plus, South Carolina has over 10,000 season ticket holders. I mean, that is just insane. So hopefully they were able to figure that out because once we get into conference play, once we get to that UConn game in February, I mean, shoot, the last time these two teams played back in the 2020 season, before everything happened with COVID, that place was sold out. So I expect USC to be prepared now a little bit in terms of traffic, especially for women's basketball, but Um, That was the big thing. It was great to see Gamecock Jesus, baseline Jesus, whatever you want to call him throwing up his Gamecock flag. It was a great atmosphere, but especially in that second half. I mean, South Carolina, 12 turnovers in the first half, even though they held Clemson to just three points in the second quarter, they looked like the number one ranked team in that third quarter. They came out, shot seven of eight from the field, had no turnovers. Destiny Henderson, who had four of those turnovers in the first half, she had four assists in the third quarter to start alone. And they outscored Clemson in terms of points in the second half. Clemson scored 45 points for the game. USC scored 49 points in the second half. So Don Staley and her team just absolutely clicking. And as you mentioned, 11 straight victory. That ties the all-time series now between the two schools at 33 wins apiece.
2: Yeah, so um, I-, I agree, man, that the parking issue over there and – I, I think it's a combination of every – it's it's not just campus. It's the fact, you know, the Vista is is tight tied in yeah. over there as well. And I, I remember um you know the the men's basketball games when you know when when South Carolina's playing well and there's a big SEC opponent coming in. If there's 16,000 people there or you know, the the sort of rare sellout when you get the full eighteen thousand. There there really is nowhere to park for all those people, and it becomes a big old mess. So that, that and they is something off I think I'll be honest
0: usually address. block off they usually block off a street on game day, which is good. It's a, it's a smart thing to do to be able to allow the pedestrians and the fans to be able to cross the stadium outside of where Asia, Asia Wilson's uh, statue is. But, um, yeah, hopefully they'll be able to tweak that in the coming weeks.
2: Definitely, man. Let's uh, go on out now to our Promo Gourmet chat line. We've got Brian Matthews, auburnsports.com. Um Brian I was introducing you earlier and I said you've been covering Auburn as long as I can remember sort of being um in the whole media game myself. How, how long have you been covering Auburn?
1: I think this is year 21. Uh started back in 2000 and uh, here we are. So, yeah, it's it's been mm-hmm. a it's been a um thrilling ride and it's been fun. Things have changed a whole lot in this business from, you know, 2000 and now with social media and everything that's happened, but yeah, it's it's been it's been quite an experience.
2: Yeah, certainly, man. So you've seen it. I mean, at Auburn, you've seen you've seen the ups, the downs, you've seen ev- everything in between. And uh, we we appreciate you taking the time to join us here today, man, on, on GC Live, and tell us a little bit about this Auburn team. Um, I always sort of start off with the most open ended question ever: what What do Gamecock fans need to know if they if they don't really know anything about this team right now? I'm sure they've seen you know Bo Nix is out. There's been some injuries. Um, they saw, you know, the, the loss last week, but, but what do Gamecock fans need to know first and foremost about this Auburn team that's coming to Williams Bryce stadium, uh, this Saturday,
1: pretty schizophrenic team. You know, they mm-hmm. tend to play well for a half on one side of the ball in the next half. Uh, they sort of fall apart at times. So that's one thing to watch. And of course against Mississippi state. They f- both sides of the ball sort of fell apart in that second half after jumping out to a 28 to three lead and blew the, that's the worst blown, um, lead in, in Auburn history that we know of. Um, Generally speaking, Auburn has a pretty good run defense, been pretty um, solid all year in that area. Uh, they've switched from Kevin Steele's man system to playing a whole lot of zone under Derek Mason, and I think they've struggled with that, and, and they've given up a lot of passing yards. Um, before, Mississippi, before Mississippi State, they were good in the red zone. So even though they gave up a lot of yards, they really um, kept the scoring down, and, and that was a plus for them. That didn't happen last weekend, of course. And then offensively, um, cannot run the ball to save their lives. I mean, this is not your typical Auburn um, run-play-action type team. Um, They're averaging, I think, 120 yards rushing in SEC play, which is uh, near the bottom of the conference. Uh, They ran a little bit against Ole Miss. That's really the most successful SEC um, game they've had running the ball. But um, – any average or, or close to average run defense is probably going to shut Auburn down. And now you're taking away Bo Nix, who is a guy that most defensive coordinators sort of had to account for in the running game. And you're, you're putting in T.J. Finley, a guy who's more of a um, traditional dropback type quarterback. So that's going to make it even tougher, I think, for Auburn. So I think they're going to have to try to scheme up some things and surprise South Carolina with some things than, uh, to try to run the ball because you don't want to go in uh, you know, a, a road game with the player's first start for you in this offense and put put it all on his shoulders
0: hey brian mike you but i'm glad he brought up the offense because kind of maybe like an ex-girlfriend you know you're kind of peeking over the fence you're curious yeah. it's, you want to know hey how are they doing you know i don't know i don't know i don't want to see them necessarily do that well but while south carolina has been going through their own growing pains from an offensive standpoint of course mike bobo is the oc last season for usc he's with Auburn now how has that fit look because you said it's not the traditional Auburn offense that you've seen in years past have they made progress have they took steps back in your opinion since he came in and took over as OC
1: well they've definitely taken steps forward the passing game and, and Auburn was a terrible passing game uh, under under Gus Malzahn it, uh, the numbers were bad and the just development of receivers and quarterbacks was really bad you had several Talented receivers, Auburn receivers that would go to the NFL and then you'd hear back from those coaches or them talking about how simple Auburn's system was and how big of an adjustment it was for them. So that's changed. But while that's changed, they've also discovered that Auburn doesn't really have a whole lot of good receivers. (laughs) And the offensive line remains a a big issue. They've improved their pass uh, protection, uh, but they have struggled running the ball and and really just creating space for those running backs. They do not get much of a push at all. Um, but the thing with Bobo, I guess it surprised me is my expectations for him to be sort of a traditional run play action guy, you know, pretty standard. But what we've seen with him is it's he's very creative. He has been at Auburn. He comes up with all these different um, concepts and schemes and they tend to be really effective when Auburn can execute them with their deficiencies, you know, at certain positions. So that's been a breath of fresh air, I think. But on the other hand, he still has not found a way to run the ball consistently. Auburn's not a team that, you know, can run, run, uh, and then pass the ball on third down and be successful. They, they've, So far, the best success has come from just slinging it around with Bo Nix, and, and they don't have that option anymore.
2: Yeah, let, Let's keep it right there. Uh, T.J. Finley takes over. Um, someone that South Carolina fans are, are <laughs> pretty familiar with. He, uh, he made his de- debut against the Gamecocks last year at LSU, uh, his first career start, and I think was about 17 of 21, 250 plus yards passing threw for two touchdowns, ran for another. I, I still, the thing I took away from that game though was just the amount of success LSU had on the ground and then setting him up, getting him in some good situations. I, I watched the the finish of the Auburn Georgia state game this year where, where Finley came in and, and really sort of sparked the offense and, um, What's your uh, scouting report of him, Brian? He looks to me like one of those guys that um, can quite literally make all the throws, like massive arm, is going to sort of um, – you have to cover every blade of grass, but also at times I think maybe can be a little bit inaccurate, uh, that the ball doesn't always go exactly where he wants it to, but but certainly uh, can can maybe string together some big plays as well. What, what's been your scouting report of him since he's been – I guess, started to get integrated into this Auburn offense.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. And the other thing I would say is, uh, for what I've noticed, um, struggles some in the short game, you know, being accurate, overthrowing, you know, those those short passes to the back sometimes because of his arm. But the first thing I would say about TJ that's that's really blown me away is just what a leader he is, what a stand-up guy he is. I've done thousands of interviews over 20-plus years, and – his interview we have with him, just to, uh, I guess it was yesterday, stands out to me among one of the best. He's just um, an exceptional young person. So I think as far as the team rallying behind him and him having those skills to lead this team in, in a tough situation for Auburn, I think that's an A-plus for him. Uh, how he's going to fare on the field without a running game, in, in, unless suddenly one appears Saturday, right? Uh, what remains to be seen, but Big arm, I'm sure Auburn is going to try to get those big plays they had against State, uh, test that defense, that secondary, and try to get the big plays. I know uh, stat-wise, um, South Carolina has the number two pass defense in the conference, I believe. Um, so that's that's another challenge for Auburn. Um, I think he throws probably over the middle um, better than maybe throwing those, those deep outs and stuff. So you'll probably see Auburn's tight ends pretty involved, and, and that's been a big part of the offense so far with Mike Bobo. But um, just overall, very impressed with him. The things he had to say about being a backup and preparing each week as a starter and, um, you know, the, the way he talked about Bo Nix, the way he talked about Cam Newton calling him and um, lifting him up recently. Just um really impressive young man. So kind of the guy you, you sort of root for a little bit, you know, just as a mm-hmm. neutral sometimes. I know, I know obviously South Carolina fans aren't rooting for him, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for him to see how he does um, in this game and it, I'm expecting a pretty competitive game. I know we're going to get to that, but uh, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch.
0: Brian, you mentioned that part about the competitiveness. I mean, look, we're, we're all humans, and players can kind of downplay it, and I'm sure coaches would downplay it, but I don't care if it's college football, pro football. It could be any sport, really. When you get the schedule at the beginning of the year, the teams that you cover, if you're a player, you're going through it, you look in are like, all right, that might be a win. That might be a loss. I don't know about that one. For South Carolina fans, when they looked at that schedule, this back half coming out of that bye week, you had Florida, you had at you have Auburn, you have Clemson. That just looked like an absolute gauntlet. Now, in terms of how things have played out, you know Auburn's coming into this game, and you know, like you mentioned, they're they're going through some some struggles right now. They're going through some changes at quarterback. Where would you put Auburn right now in comparison to where they were at the beginning of the season? And do you feel like, you know, after what we saw last season, is that something that is on the Tigers' mind? I mean, obviously, new coaching staff, new players. But at the same time, too, they have to come back to a place last year where they lost in a game that I don't think a lot of people expected them to lose going into that one.
1: Yeah, that might have been the game that cost Gus his um, job at Auburn, to be honest with you. Um, I think Auburn's in trouble, to be honest. Um, I I just – I would be concerned. I know every team I've – you know, I've covered – the coaches and players, no matter what's going on, always say, you know, we we're we're having a great week of practice, you know, the guys are in good spirits. We put you know, we put that behind us, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you never know till you get to game day. And um Auburn's lost two straight games. They pretty much eliminated themselves from the SEC West, even though there is a scenario where there could be a five team tie. But Alabama's gonna be in Arkansas this week and and in, in that um speculation. But um, yeah, I would. And then, then you lose Bo Nix and you lose Anders Carlson, uh, the kicker for the last four seasons. Uh, I, I would say that Auburn is um, in trouble. And the biggest thing the coaching staff can do this week is try to get them mentally ready to play this game. Cause I think that could be an issue. You take Florida. Uh, they're probably more talented than Auburn. No offense, probably more talented than South Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. but their heads were not in it and they got their um, rear ends handed to them. And um Auburn is in a similar situation, in my opinion. If they don't come ready to play, um, they could be in
2: trouble too. Brian, you, you mentioned a couple of times that the running game ha- has not gotten going for Auburn. That that Outside looking in, that's a little bit of a surprise to me. A, knowing what I saw Mike Bobo do with the running game here at South Carolina last year, B, being very familiar with Tank Bigsby following that recruitment. Um, you know, first, first of all, I, I've got to ask this – Has Tank Bixby ever gone on the record with you guys about his recruitment and how close he was to possibly choosing South Carolina at at one point? Has that ever been mentioned there? It always gets brought up here that there was allegedly a commitment video here involving a tank um, that never saw the light of day. So I got to ask, has that ever been brought up in a media setting there?
1: Not that I know of, not that I recall. So, I mean, that may, it may be absolutely true. I mean, we know how recruiting is, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, kids change their mind all the time. But um, the one thing about his recruitment that I remember the most, and I cover the team more than recruiting, but mm. I just remember that Carnell Williams um, was mentioned a lot about his relationship with him was, was the biggest reason he chose Auburn. And Carnell has proven so far to be one of Auburn's better recruiters. So I think that played a big part. Yeah, uh, I, I had to ask. just uh, but... down the road, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: So, wh- have you been surprised that the running game has not been better? I-, I think looking back, the first couple of games, maybe against some lesser opponents, Auburn averaged like nine yards a carry or something in right. those games. And then I-, I looked maybe the last five weeks or so, last five games or so, uh, the averages have not been what the average is for the year as far as, you know, yards per yeah. rush. Uh so have you been shocked by that? I'm, outside looking in, I am a little bit surprised that it's played out like that.
1: I absolutely have been surprised, shocked. Um, it's just, you know, the what, what is going on, right? I mean, and I, I keep writing about it too. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, what am I going to write about? Oh, I'll just write about the crappy running game again. Okay, great. <laughs> but it, it, it is really surprising because you take, take Basby, I think talent-wise, he's one of the top running backs in the country. He's up there. Um, they found Jarquez Hunter, uh, out of Mississippi and, uh, he looks like one of those guys that was a three-star that's going to turn into a really good player. Uh, so talent-wise, Auburn's got up there. Offensive line, they returned eight guys with starting experience. Most of them are, are fifth-year seniors. Um, so you would think that would be good for the running game, uh, right? And of course, they, they have a, a, a quarterback who's a very dangerous runner too. So to me, that added up to Auburn being a really powerful running game this season and, being a run play action team and, and Bow Necks would come along in the passing game as they got more into it. And that hasn't been the case at all. Um, they did run the ball really well against, you know, some of those um, non-conference foes that they sort of rolled over easily. But once we've got the conference play, it's been, it's been shut down. And uh, it's almost embarrassingly bad. I think they had negative eight, 10, 12 yards uh, rushing against Mississippi State in the second half. Yikes. And, you know, that's, that's a team that was, um, you know, threw for over 300 yards, you know, through the first three quarters or so. Um, So you would think there would be some openings in the running game, right, when you're throwing the ball that effectively, but it's just – it just hasn't happened. So, um, you know, I don't know if they've gone back to the drawing board. Maybe they've got some big plans uh, this weekend, but um, so far it's been a dud.
0: I'll tell you what, Brian, you know, Having a night game here, I mean, at Williams-Brice, I mean, if if South Carolina fans needed anything, even though, believe it or not, they're actually not happy. They wish they were getting earlier games for whatever reason. I mean, a couple of years ago, they wish they were getting more night games. So it's funny how that works out, how you get more night games and uh, how you want to switch it up. To come into the environment that they could be walking into on Saturday night, what does Auburn need to do in order to be able to have success, you think, and be able to get the win?
1: Well, I think the basic stuff on going on the road, don't turn the ball over, you know, don't get your, um, don't make mistakes on special teams, et cetera, et cetera. Run the ball, stop the run. Um, but I think for Auburn, um, they've got to scheme up a way to run, right? And that usually works for a little while until the defense figures out what they're doing and they stop it. If you're not like a, a Georgia or a talented team who can just uh, manhandle opponents. Um, and then they've got to find a way to get TJ Finley comfortable on offense and Give them some easy throws uh, early on. And then defensively, I mean, they got um, blasted uh, by Mississippi State. So they just need to come back and maybe take that personally a little bit and have a little chip on their shoulder and just get back to playing um, how they were early on. But, um, you know, I I said this earlier, I think this is going to be a tight game. I, I think you have to question what sort of mental shape Auburn is coming in. Mm-hmm. So if I'm South Carolina, you know I'm coming to that stadium thinking we got a shot to knock off Auburn. Let's you know, let's raise heck and have fun and and be loud and you know see what happens.
2: Yeah, final thing I have for you here, Brian, and and we'll sort of keep it right there. How 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 do you see this game playing out? Have you do y'all do y'all make predictions? Do y'all make staff predictions? Have you decided uh, which way you're going to go on that yet? Give us a little bit of a a preview on exactly how you think this thing's going to play out.
1: We do make predictions. Uh was going to take South Carolina. I still might do it, but after talking to you different, I'm like, man, maybe this guy's <laughs> got it. So I don't, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still pondering it, but um, I, I do think it's going to be a close game. And I would not be surprised if I end up taking the, the Gamecocks in this game. So um, uh, we'll see. I am, I'm expecting a fun game, night game should be entertaining. I don't frankly th- think either team is, you know, anything special. So it's just two SEC teams. It's just going to go, you know, knock each other around a little bit.
2: Yep. No doubt. No doubt. You, you're going to be in town or are you covering it from there?
1: No, uh, Christian, uh, one of our um, other guys is going to be up there for the game. So I'll be watching it from the, from the sofa.
2: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Mike, you got anything else, man? Are you good too? So no, uh, no, you don't think anyone's going to be looking ahead to the
0: iron bowl? Cause we've been talking about from a Clemson standpoint. I mean, we, we right. think the talks right now with, Um, the connection with Bobo and just talking to some of the guys that are close to the program that talk to the players, they feel like they are locked in because of how things ended with Bobo. And and some of those guys are taking it personal this week. So it doesn't look like they're looking ahead to Clemson. Can you see if any scenario players are looking ahead to that iron bowl?
1: I think they might've been had they won uh, against A&M or Mississippi state. Um, I, I think Auburn's got some other distractions, right. But I don't think that's one of them, right. That they, they know where they are. They're coming off two losses. I don't think they're worried about the Iron Bowl anymore. If they're, if they're thinking about it, they're like, oh, we need to start playing better. We're going to get our butts whipped in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So, I, I don't think that's going to be a factor. But I do think um, Auburn's um, mental uh, focus is going to be a factor or could be a factor for sure.
2: Brian, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate the time. Um, anybody listening or watching, uh, go check out auburnsports.com if you want to get the Auburn perspective on this game. Uh Brian, enjoy the game on Saturday, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay?
1: Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks.
2: Yep. Bro. Thanks, man. That's Brian Matthews, Auburnsports.com. They do as good a job as anybody out there on the Rivals Network covering their team. Again, Brian's been covering them for like I said, I, I knew it had been a while, Mike. I didn't realize it was 21 years. He, dude, you, you think we see a lot here? If you cover, if you cover Auburn, you have seen, you've seen some crazy stuff. Especially like, in that time you see the period, the ups and the downs, man.
0: Especially in, in that time period, I mean, shoot, I think that was that was my second year playing pop Warner football in 2000. Holy cow! Uh, Tom Brady got drafted that year. How about that? Um, but 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 I think you know, I think the big the biggest takeaway is, and I don't know about you, Wes. It just seems like as the week's gone on, the more you hear from people like Brian, people that are close with Auburn's program, this isn't a layup. And I know I mentioned it to Brian. If you if you asked me at the beginning of the season, right, and I was thinking about it, uh, I think I was getting a haircut the other day. I think it was just yesterday. And they have the the schedule for the Gamecocks. And I'm just looking back at it. I'm like, all right, let's go back and kind of remind ourselves when we looked at it what games we thought were going to be wins for South Carolina, what games we thought were going to be losses, and what games could be a toss-up. And I'm going through the list, and I'm like, man, we have that They just have that gauntlet of a schedule. And that was the word I think a lot of people use that gauntlet coming out of the bye It is just crazy. It is just crazy how things have unfolded, right? I mean, that's, that's the beauty of football. You have to play the games. It's not decided on paper. It's not decided by making a W or an L next to the, to the game itself. And I think while things have not been all sunshine and rainbows across the board for USC, there has been a lot of progress made this season. I mean, Brian just mentioned it. They're one of the best pass defense in the, in the conference, they're ranked second special teams has definitely made improvements as well from a year ago. The problem is from a consistency standpoint, the offense has not been able to show that progress. And I think, unfortunately, and I've wrote this a couple of times in, in in Gamecock central pieces this season, it's kind of like having that renovated kitchen, you know, you have a beautiful kitchen garnet. I mean, uh, darn it granite countertops a beautiful stove nice fridge but there's this that nasty smell that's just lingering in the kitchen you can't appreciate everything else that's going on and that smell has been the offense and i don't think people have truly been able to appreciate what they have seen this season so with that being said auburn's coming in here that's not the auburn that going into the season when you look at the schedule saying you know what that might be a tough one this game I'm not going to say it's a true toss up, but this game is not too far fetched to say that South Carolina has a good opportunity to win this game. And if they're able to win this game, I mean, shoot, going into that Clemson game, that brings a lot of momentum. You get that monkey off your back of finally being able to go to, to a bowl game for the first time since 2018, but then you get some sense of pride too in terms of being able to one up a guy that left you and basically said, you know what, I'm going to leave you and go for go to somewhere else. that I think going to be better and you know obviously professional reasons money but aside you look at it, it 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 should motivate you as a player and they have a tremendous opportunity this saturday
2: yeah i the, as the week goes on I, i'm with you man my, my my gut feeling is that south carolina finds a way to win one of these two games because i i i think a lot of this season has been about momentum for for carolina they they really they they had a chance to build some momentum early in that missouri game And they turned the football over with a chance to go up by two scores. And they really sort of lost all momentum they had until the fourth quarter. The Florida game, they get some momentum early. It's at home. They're able to build off of it. And then they were able to make some defensive plays, uh, namely the Jabari Ellis play to sort of put that game away, actually pretty early, put it away right before the half. But I I don't know, man, The, the the way Brian just talked about Auburn you're not talking about a team that comes to Columbia with a ton to play for right now, other than maybe some pride. And I think now now the funny thing is you see uh, the, the Gamecock fans, they're sitting there saying, fool me once, because when we had Gabe DeArmond on last week, he was telling us all about how, you know, Missouri has run the football, but it's been against lesser opponents. The offensive line isn't as good as we think it is. Uh, You know, the running game hasn't been all that great. And then what happens, Missouri has an outstanding game on the ground uh, against South Carolina. So if you look at the chat right now, John on Facebook, does Brian Matthews really want us to believe we won't have trouble stopping Tank and other backs? Uh, T says he sounded like Lou Holtz. Um, You know, so I I think there's – Brandon says not buying it. So, you know, the fans are like, all right, we, we hear you, we hear you, but Carolina has struggled against SEC opponents, yeah. other than that Florida game where they, they really played pretty darn well against a Florida offense that's been good at running the football. Um, fans still have visions of Tyler Beatty running all over Carolina last week. So, it, you know, how, how much do you, Mike, think home field advantage and momentum, like getting the crowd into a game? To me, against Florida, yeah, Florida sort of quit mentally. But South Carolina, I felt like, just fed off of each other. They fed off of early momentum. Defensively, they fed off the crowd as well.
0: I think home field advantage will truly be determined based on what South Carolina does early, right? They need to be able to give this fan base a reason to get into the games. And that's not saying that South Carolina fans aren't committed to this program, but they need to be able to feel it. Um, I think back to that Vanderbilt game. It was dead. It was dead in there. You know, I mean, I remember tweeting it out that a guy sitting behind me, he left, he's like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go get a corn dog across the street at the State Fair. And he missed a hell of an ending with Zeb coming in and leaving the Gamecocks down the field for the win. But you need to be able to get this crowd in it. We saw against Florida, right, that flea flicker to open up things. You need to be able to get that energy there. And if that energy is there, there's no question you can have that home field advantage. I think more than anything, though, with this team, What they need to be able to do is they need to be able to just they need to be they need to be able to find a way to get back to just doing the small things. Right. I mean, I know it's so cliche to say, but just doing the freaking small things and just finding a way to be successful with it, Um, finishing your blocks, being able to, um, you know, get open, separate, separate yourself from the defenders. I've said it before. I think this week, more than any week, Josh Fans going to be double teamed. There's going to be a safety that will get brought down in the box. And Auburn is going to challenge you to throw the football to someone else if you want to win the game. You're not going to probably be able to run the football the way that you want to, unless you're able to get someone else other than Josh Van in the game and through the passing. So I don't know who that guy's going to be because, I mean, we've been asking ourselves that not just this season, but going back to last season, right. You know, just take the name Josh van out and slide the plate in shy Smith. It's the same issue. You need someone else to step up. We saw it in the Florida game. We saw Nick Muse get involved a little bit. And sometimes it does have to do with a little bit of play calling, but in this case, Right. I think back to last week, I don't think it was more so Satterfield. I think it was just lack of execution. And then when you fall behind the way that they did, of course, they're going to have to make certain type of changes. But I mean, poor blocking up front. Uh, Jason Brown didn't help things out, certainly with some of the decisions he made. I mean, that was something that Shane Beamer alluded to. He has to be able to step up in the pocket. He can't just roll out every time. And this is the point that I was going to get back to, to Wes. They have tape on Jason Brown. They understand how to defend him. Teams realize as defensive ends, you're going to work upfield and force him to stay in the pocket because if he rolls out, he's screwed. With that being said, this is also a good thing for South Carolina. I know Gamecock fans, it it seems like any time a backup comes in, it's always, oh, we always make a backup look like a Heisman Trophy winner. Well, here's the difference for South Carolina. TJ Finley, yes, he played with a different team last year. Yes, he played with different players. Yes, he played for a different offensive coordinator. The difference from last year in comparison to now is that not only do they have tape of TJ, but they have tape of themselves going up against TJ. I think that's going to be a huge, huge factor that people aren't really talking about. I think that's going to be something that could extremely be beneficial for the Gamecocks. We talk about how that hurts Jason Brown in a sense, and maybe that's why Missouri was able to do the things they did to, to not just him, but the offense last week. I think being able to have that film on Finley, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and just look like, I don't know, a pile of pud, but I think he's going to go out there. He's not going to look like the TJ Finley of last year because South Carolina, number one, they're ready for it. But number two, they know how to defend them better.
2: Well, and I think to your point, man, um, as far as Jason Brown goes, it's kind of one of those things that the teams South Carolina faces, they, they now have their game tape. They make their adjustments. Now Jason Brown gets an opportunity to, to make his own adjustments to what they're doing. He gets to go back, watch the tape on Sunday. Oh man, they're they're definitely getting up the field. They're definitely anticipating my backside spin move. Let me reiterate to myself in practice that I need to step up and, and step up into the pocket, give my offensive lineman a chance. And so now I me personally, I I think Jason Brown is going to play a, a good game this week. I really do now Auburn Auburn's pretty solid defensively. Uh, You know, statistically, anyway, like they haven't given up a ton of points. They're in the upper half of the SEC as far as defense goes. I don't know if it sets up for Carolina to go up and down the field or anything like that. But I do think Jason Brown is a type kid. He's very conscientious. He's going to uh, look, take a strong look in the mirror, focus on what he needs to improve this week, and go do it. The other side, to your point, man, with Finley – I think there will be some opportunities for this Carolina defense to get off the field because he is a guy that if you can put a little bit of pressure on him, as Brian sort of agreed with me on, he's really not the most accurate passer in the Mm -hmm. world. Um, There's actually a YouTube clip and I love when people make life easy on us. If you search for TJ Finley, Georgia state, somebody clipped up, every throw he made against Georgia State when he came in last year, and which is exactly what I was looking for. And it's just like literally you see every single throw. So um, in those throws, you will see, Mike, you will see a guy who on one of them is like dodging defenders, stepping up in the pocket, throwing the football while he gets hit, looks like a freaking first-round draft pick. And then you will see other plays where he drops back. There's no pass rush and he has a guy, but he just whips the ball so fast and so hard that it, it sort of either sells on him or it's just a little bit off, and his, his receiver can't adjust to it because, A, it's coming so hard, and, B, it's just not quite accurate enough. So guys like that that aren't just consistently accurate, he's going to make some throws on you on third down where you roll your eyes and you get frustrated as a fan that they just completed a third and twelve. But also, he's going to miss a couple throws for you where guys are open that will allow you opportunities to either A, turn him over and get the ball back immediately, or B, get off the field as far as forcing a punt. So, to me, that sets up pretty well for South Carolina. Like you said, there is no, oh, it's the backup quarterback. Clayton White mentioned that in the press conference this week. On Sunday, when the word came out, oh, it's going to be TJ Finley, he said all the guys were like, Coach, we faced him. like We we know what he's about. So there's going to be no taking this guy lightly. Ultimately, it's going to go back, though, to Tank Bigsby stopping that running game. If you can slow the running game, I think it sets up fairly well for them to have answers for TJ Finley. Against LSU, um, matter of fact, I think you and I watched that game at Market on Main last year, and LSU was just – Smashing South Carolina up front, putting and then they they were able to put T.J. Finley in easy throw situations. You have to keep him out of those situations.
0: I'm going back to last year because I wanted to bring this up. If I remember correctly, you know South Carolina they did allow 209 rushing yards to Auburn last year. Uh, Tank Bigsby had 111 yards and 16 carries in that touchdown. But as we remember. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, Auburn got away from the run game, and because of that, that allowed South Carolina to to get back into it. And not just that, but it really put J.C. Horn on the map. And I I believe uh, without that game, he's not, you know, the top player drafted from a defensive standpoint in the NFL draft. So I say all that because Wes, I agree with you 100. percent I think the way you beat this team is you're gonna have to do things that you know that's gonna come at you. And the reason why you know it's gonna come at you is because well, certain quarterbacks out. And number two, Mike Bobo is coming into town. And where am I going with this? They're going to run the football on you. That's what they want to do. If you can take that away and make Auburn one-dimensional and make them throw the football, you're going to have a field day. There's no doubt in my mind. If Auburn is going out there and they are going uh, through the air every single time, they're not going to have a chance. There's no doubt that they're going to struggle. So I think more than anything, it starts with the defensive line. And even though it wasn't just on the D-line last week, but that was probably their worst game of the season. And that says a lot because the defensive line has just been absolutely incredible. Yeah, you can mention the Georgia game, but, I mean, really, yeah, I, I, I can't take away I, – I can't really get too much information from them uh, in, in that game. So with that being said, you're able to stop the run this week. Auburn's not going to know what to do. And I just feel like if, if that happens, we're all humans. I think Bobo's going to get antsy. And he's going to want to throw the football down the field. Finley's going to do some things that maybe he's not going to feel as comfortable with. And he's not going to do what he was able to do last year when he was with LSU. Because LSU was able to have that balance. They were able to mix in the run when they wanted to. They kept USC in the back of their heels. And we know how much of a shellacking that game was. So take the run game away from Auburn. You do that. I mean, it's going to be a big task. There's no question about it. You do that though. I mean, shoot, you're going to have a field day. And that's exactly what happened in the second half of that Auburn game last year, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they got away from tank. They kept giving the ball to tank so well in that first half, but for whatever reason they got away. And as a result, Auburn left Williams Bryce with a loss last year. But uh, obviously, like I said, new coach, uh, new coordinator, new quarterback. I mean, there's been so many changes from a year ago, but at the same time, too, there's no reason why South Carolina should not be able or, or shouldn't be able to compete in this game. This is not the Auburn that we expected to come into Williams-Brice in comparison to where they were maybe a month, a month and a half ago.
2: Yeah, new new coach on both sides, new coordinators on both sides, new quarterbacks on both sides. Um, sh- should be interesting, man. And and even, I mean, but both of these final two games, we'll have all week next week to get to Clemson. But yeah. complete, completely different story uh, as far as the winnability, if that's a word, for the Gamecocks sure. going into these final two, man. So it, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Um, did, did you have any other takeaways from Brian before we sort of move on? I, th- I think we sort of hit, hit on it all uh, as far as what he had to say.
0: I do want to, because I'm looking at some of the comments, you know, I think T mentioned it. I'm trying to see if someone else mentioned it. Um, Being able to stop the run the way they did against Florida. I mean, you know it's coming at you. Florida came into the game ranked third in rushing in the SEC, and you took the run game away from Florida. Now, for whatever reason, it's probably – cockiness a little bit Mullen for the first 10 or 11 plays of the game decided to throw, throw, throw. I highly doubt. No
2: respect. Him. No respect.
0: I, I, I doubt Bobo is going to come out there and try to throw, throw, throw the same way. Um, but going back to Brian, I think, look, he's a guy that has seen so much as you alluded to. Um, I'm not saying and we know that there's certain journalists out there or media members that have the pom poms on with them, whatever school that they're covering. Um, he seems like a guy that will call it the way that he sees it. But, um, I mean, shoot, this Auburn team, they're going through some things. And I'm not saying it's the same to the same effect, but Florida came into town and they were going through some things. So what happened? South Carolina just pounced on them. Circumstances a little bit different. You had a week to an extra week to prepare. But I think the bottom line is this. This is lining up to be a perfect storm for South Carolina. This is a team that is hurting right now. You're hurting too. But at the same time, you have an opportunity here at home, under the lights. You win, you're going bowling. So um, this is not a game that South Carolina fans should look at and be like, ah, crap, you know, we don't have a shot. These next two games, there's opportunities to win. Um, But it starts this week, and and I think South Carolina has a good shot against an Auburn team, like I said, that's coming in here, limping literally both a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint.
2: Definitely, man. Let's uh let's talk a second about this men's basketball game tonight. Um, I believe so. I know Colin will be at the basketball game. You're gonna you're doing Colin Show.
0: Yes, so Colin will be basketball tonight, and I will be at the Colin Show at uh, Backstreet Grill. So if anyone wants to join me and the great Kirk Hollinsworth, come on by and uh, we'll mix in some waters. We'll have a good time.
2: Yeah, they, they do actually a great job at Backstreets, man. That's Food one is of my
0: phenomenal.
2: One of my, uh, I would say, newer favorite, you know, they haven't been around as long as some of the other places in that Divine Street area, but food is outstanding, Try the buffalo chicken wrap by the way with the ranch, yeah, it's really know. good. I know you, you last were there, you got the Cajun pasta. Is that right? We're
0: staying, we're staying away from the pastas though. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, trying to slim up, up a little, a
2: little bit, bit Mike. Yeah,
0: you know, we gotta, we, I, I'm gonna probably go to the gym after this. You know, it might be a, a 2k Thursday, so I don't know. We gotta, we gotta make sure we burn these calories, we're gonna eat all this food. Uh, All right, Mike's not this. getting
2: pasta, but if anybody I'll, else goes, they can.
0: I'll say this. This just goes to show how dedicated uh, Wes is to his Braves. I think this was a year ago or maybe two years. I can't remember exactly. He was on a date with his girlfriend, and they're sitting in a different section. You know, they're in the VIP area, it seemed like. and they're I on forgot a date, about this. And he's got his cell phone out, and he's just watching the game, you know? I mean, you know, he's giving little fist pumps out here, Tiger Woods style, every time the Braves scored. So, um I don't think I've congratulated you publicly on it but congratulations on the Braves winning the World Series and all the Braves fans that are are joining us watching today.
2: Thank you, thank you. It was a uh, it was a great moment, man. We uh and about, but she what you didn't add is that it wasn't me ignoring her watching the game. No, she not not she, she was watching as well. Shoot, she I've done that with was my
0: girlfriend before the uh, USC beating Kentucky at the buzzer a couple of years ago, you yes. know? She's like, you know, and I don't know if we can swear on this. I'm still learning my new rules at, at Gamecock Central. She's like, don't be a uh, an a hole. Let me let me see the video. You know, let me see what's going on here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what they say. You know, that that's when you found a keeper. So good, good yeah. for you
2: guys. Definitely, man. Definitely. So, uh, so Colin show tonight. Men's basketball game tonight. Colin will be there. This. This is like quietly kind of a big game for Frank Martin and company. Colin had a great article, by the way, where he talked Incredible. to Andy Kennedy. Yeah, um,
0: definitely Andy check it
2: out. one of my uh, one of my favorites, man. As far as just the job he's done in college basketball, in men's basketball, you can tell. Uh, and, and Colin's article sort of goes into the wars they've been through uh, together as an assistant coach in the past, and yep. how th- their relationship goes well beyond just basketball, even though it's kind of forged in basketball two guys that have a tremendous amount of respect for each other but i i think this will be a tight basketball game tonight mike and Mm -hmm. a game south carolina needs to win especially after that princeton loss a couple of games ago to keep the fan base you know kind of keep the fan base in it moving forward because they have i believe three straight games at home coming up
0: yeah, and uh, just for the comment section for uh, Antonelli, yes, Pat's and pizza tonight while watching Gamecock basketball. We'll do that after Beamer's show. Um, I, I think the thing about this matchup it's so unique is that UAB, they are a very good team, all right? They're projected to, to win their conference, and I think that they're going to be a team that's going to make the, the tournament. But then when you throw the added element in that you have, Andy Kennedy coaching them. I mean, of course, this isn't the Rebels. He's not coaching Ole Miss. The talent's not the exact same, but this is a t- still a talented team. And the fact that he's here, I think it does gonna it is going to make uh, things very interesting. And these two coaches, they know each other so well. Colin did such a great job in that piece you, you brought up. Um, obviously, they coached with each other at Cincinnati, and they've gone up against each other back and forth during their coaching career, especially with both of them when they were both coaching in the SEC. I think we're going to see a chess match. I think we're going to see a chess match. And I think what this game will come down to is this. I mean, we could talk about limiting the mistakes. We know that. Uh, But outside of who turns the ball over the fewest, South Carolina at some point, whether it happens once, whether it happens twice, it's basketball. UAB is going to go on a run. And as we've seen before in the past, the times that South Carolina has been successful, it's when they just don't get themselves in, in too deep of a hole right? It seems like anytime they go on a nice little run, maybe they're up by six, eight, 10 points. They give it right back, but then they fall back times too. If that makes sense, you can't have that happen. You do that against Kennedy. Kennedy knows what to do against you because he understands what Frank's philosophy is. He understands how Frank plays. So you can't do that tonight. You got to be able to continue to keep this game as close as possible. If you do fall behind a little bit, you got to make sure going into the break that, you're either leading or it's a pretty close game because if this game gets out of hand in the first half, it's going to be a long night for USC. And not just USC on the court, but USC on Twitter, USC in the community, USC going to the grocery store tomorrow. Everything will just be absolutely uh, dark and gloomy to quote Shane Beamer. So I think what they need to do more than anything is they need to be able to keep this joint tight. And then just from a schematic standpoint, Frank Martin has mentioned it all week. He needs to see more, from his number four, you know, um, I think Phil Kornblut used, uh, you know, you got to have some more foreplay. Um, I was trying to stay away from using that term, but it's just on my freaking head. I'm sorry. So you need to have some more foreplay or more play from your four. Um God, Phil, look what you've done. The birthday boy from uh, yesterday. He needs to see more from that, though. Who's going to step up in that role? You're trying to figure things out, too. You know Keyshawn Bryant has to sit two more games still. What will that look like once he gets back into the mix? I'm not saying it's going to be like when Sindarius Thornball came back from his suspension during that final four run year, but you need to be able to have some type of sustainability improve. Okay, who's my guys that are going to step up? Because at some point, whether it's Keyshawn, whether it's someone else, Someone might foul out and you're going to have to turn to one of these players that are playing more minutes right now because Keyshawn is out. You need to be able to figure out that situation. These guys continue to gel eight new scholarship players this year on this team. I think you're going to find out a lot about this team and and who they are from a character standpoint tonight.
2: And for what I was reading, uh, it's expected A.J. Wilson probably back. Is that right tonight?
0: Yes, so A.J. Wilson went through a lot, of course. He had the the back spasms or the or, or the injury with his back. Um, sp- the other issue was going into the Asheville tournament, he had a death in the family, as Frank Martin alluded to. They found out, I believe, on Friday. That happened on yeah. Thursday. So uh, Martin said that he just, you know, it, he wasn't in the right state of mind. They didn't feel like it was right to throw him out there and, and play. So he went back. He He was with his family for that. Um, but he will be in the lineup tonight is from everything that i've I've been told unless something happened at the last minute. But a lot of people are going to be excited to see AJ Wilson out there. and like I said before, a lot of new faces. How are they going to be able to gel together? We want to be able to see that now. We don't want to have to wait till the SEC uh, until SEC play starts happening, right? We want to see how things happen now because we know that things are going to crank up these next couple of weeks. There's some tough out of conference games, not saying that this one isn't one tonight because it you know, it's it's a good team um but things are only going to get tougher once you get into conference play we know it turns into the wild wild west
2: and if there there's one thing about frank martin man and about his teams he will keep tweaking he will keep sort of uh managing and he'll 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 find the best combo possible by the end of the year it's just a matter of sort of making sure you can in my opinion kind of just tread water here at the beginning find enough wins on the schedule uh you know they'll That's get They'll get A.J. Wilson back tonight. Then, you know, you have one more game, as you said. After that, you'll get Keyshawn back. Then start to figure out, you know, minute, minutes will either expand or they'll, they'll start to contract yeah. as far as which guys are, are going to be the key players on this team. I'll tell you what, man, I I like the freshman class. Like, I I like these young guys. I'll be curious to see, you know, your, your Devin Carters, your uh, Taquan Woodleys, uh, Jacoby Wright, how – how much do they steadily improve as the year goes on? And what did their minutes look like as the, as the, as the year goes on? Because I mean, I, I didn't expect um, the Woodley kid to be as far along as he actually is already because it Mm -hmm. seems like at times when Carolina has landed big men, it's been that they sort of had to, like, they were kind of raw. They're big and athletic, but raw. And it just took Frank a little bit of time to kind of develop them. Woodley, is, is further along in his development than a lot of the big men they've had in the past. I feel like.
0: Yeah. And Frank's pointed that out and he's pointing that out about him. He's pointing that out about uh, Josh Gray. One of the challenging parts is you're having them do things that they've never been really asked to do, or they haven't been coached that way. And a lot of it has to do from a defensive standpoint, uh, more than anything and just how you move your feet and this and that. So um, from a technical standpoint, that's very promising. One thing I do want to bring up, I see Jamie mentioned, um, Stevenson look I understand and I think I put it out there the other day kind of like that youth basketball coach that would say all right you're not making threes take a couple steps in and and find your shot I was I guess I was surprised but then again the only basketball team I ever coached was a youth uh, 10 year old team back in the day and we went one in 12 so what the hell do I know um Martin mentioned that Stevenson has been making threes in practice that he continues to practice, 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 and he's making them in practice and that he's confident that at some point it's going to click in the game. That's why he hasn't, at least this is what he said publicly. He hasn't told Stevenson, Hey, you know, limit the threes, stop taking those threes because he really hasn't been making them in the games. But something else that he mentioned about Stevenson is that he's been able to pick up what they're teaching. And as we know with Frank, if you're able to do that, look, I know I'm trying to pick on the guy, but TJ Moss, was he one of the best players that South Carolina has had? No. But at the same time too, he was someone that Frank trusts, especially from the defensive side. We've seen Frank trust guys that maybe at the time were like, you know, what what is he doing? The perfect example is Hassani Gravid. Gravid was having an up and down career until his senior year. And what happens? He becomes the SEC six man of the year. And he had a tremendous, tremendous senior year. So you've seen Mike Kotar kind of grow into that role too. Obviously a little bit different from a positional standpoint. So I use all these examples because as much as it stinks to give it time, give it time, give it time. If you're going to give it time right now is the, is the time to give it. Um, obviously at some point it's Stevenson's not able to connect some of these threes in a couple of games from now too, you're going to probably have to sit him down and be like, all right, you have to change things up a little bit, but from everything that Frank says, he still has confidence in him. And if he wants to go out there, shoot another four or five, six threes, he's not going to stop him because he's confident that when he's able to find his shot in the game, that he's going to be able to catch fire.
2: Yeah, shooters shoot. And I think in some ways he does have to keep shooting. Eventually, i imagine there is a, a limit on that, as you said, Mike. <laughs> but yeah. um, at the same time, I, I believe it was the late, great Kobe that said, um, Something to the extent of I, you know, I'd, I'd rather go over for twenty than over four yeah. in a game because. And his point was, if I go over for four, and I'm not comparing Kobe to Eric Stevenson, but the point was, oh, if yeah, I go over for
0: four, put on a T-shirt. <laughs> if I go 4, comparing Stevenson to Kobe Bryant.
2: That that essentially means that I lost my confidence and I stopped shooting. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're never going to get your confidence back by sitting on the bench. You're never going to get your confidence back by not doing what you do, which is is shoot from long range. At some point, you know, I I think Frank Martin's probably looking at it saying at some point, this team is going to need Eric Stevenson to be making shots. So Mm -hmm. if you sort of just give up on him, you're completely losing that opportunity down the road for him to be a major part of this team. Now, Uh, You know, at some point, yes, he's going to have to start hitting shots. But you want to continue to – I mean, let's be honest. Fans in general – this is all fans, not South Carolina fans. Mm -hmm. Fans give up on guys way quicker than their coaches are are going to absolutely.
0: And I think a lot of that has to be based on the environment of what they've seen over the last couple seasons. You know, we've seen that with quarterback play at South Carolina. We've seen that with basketball with certain players. You know where you haven't seen it? You don't see it on winning programs. You haven't seen it with women's basketball. You start winning games over time. If a player is going through some stuff, maybe they're in a funk. Fans don't say as much. So I can understand both sides of it. But, yeah, you have to give time sometimes. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's this. This guy came here for a reason. That roster was as paper thin as they got. I mean, shoot, Wes, I'm I'm surprised you and I didn't get phone calls this summer saying, hey, do you want to play some ball? You know, they needed bodies. They were able to get some. Um, And at this time of the year, you're still trying to figure out who's going to be our guy, who's going to be our guy at this position, that position. So don't be shocked once the calendar flips over into 2022, the way that this starting lineup has been orchestrated looks completely different, Uh, just because you're still trying to figure out what's going to be the right fit, who's going to be the best fit to be able to play together uh, cohesively on the court at once. So um, we'll find out. And if Stevenson's able to make some shots, he's going to shut a lot of people up.
2: That game, of course, tonight, 7 p.m., Colonial Life Arena. Uh, Go check that out. Tickets still available, SEC Network Plus, if you want to watch at home or on your iPad or or wherever. So go check that out. Again, 7 o'clock, Colonial Life Arena. That's going to do it for today's show. Mike, uh, we appreciate you taking the time, man. Appreciate you filling in for Chris. This has been GC Live. We're, of course, presented by our buddy Clint Hammond. Other sponsors sponsors of the show are Dead Soxy. You can get 25% off your order at deadsoxy.com with the code COCKY. And, of course, our friends over at Primal Gourmet. That's SC.com. Appreciate all of our supporters, all of our sponsors. And we appreciate all of you for watching, listening, listening, Check us out on all the major podcast platforms. And, hey, go follow us. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. That's where you can see pretty much at this point all the videos that that Mike and Kendall are posting with our video content. Of course, free to subscribe over there. Uh, We just hit over 7,000 subscribers on our YouTube page. Keep, Keep that number going up. It's free to subscribe. If you hit the little bell button on there, it will give you a notification whenever we post new content. And uh, plenty more content to come on there. Mike, uh, appreciate the time, man. What, what can fans uh, look for in the coming days?
0: Well, I'm going to have my, uh, my weekly three and out tomorrow, my quick slants, excuse me, tomorrow in, in terms of what South Carolina needs to do in order to beat Auburn. Uh, some of the things that we alluded to on this, but I'll get into it a little bit deeper on some of the other subjects that I wasn't able to, to, to get into as much. So we'll do that. And then uh, hopefully we have a big surprise in terms of our Mixing a Water guest on Monday. We're working on that. Um, you know, Wes is like, wait a minute, you haven't even told me that yet. Uh, so I'll have, to, I'll have to talk to Wes about that. And uh, I know from a, a big picture stuff, Wes, obviously the Garnet Trust, that is something that Chris Clark and, and the, the, the guys at GC working tremendously on to be able to make happen. Jason Brown was on earlier in the week. I know that that is big. But there are some bigger things coming out, hopefully, that we'll be announcing very soon at Gamecock Central. So very, very exciting stuff over at GC, and uh,
2: just happy to be here. He is Mike Uva. I am Wes Mitchell. We appreciate all of you, all the support, all the viewership, and uh, we'll see you very, very soon. By the way, we'll be out at Market on Main Friday, 1 p.m. Come out, say hello, have some food, and we'll get you ready for South Carolina versus Auburn. Until then, y'all have a good one.